All right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with another review. We're hoping to keep this one chill, is what Terry told me at the beginning of this one. I'm drinking a Chill Vibes beer right now to channel my Chill Vibes. Ooh. We finally arrived at this point. So we'll see how chill this review is. But anyways, we have made it to Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. I feel like we've been talking about it for a bit, and we have finally made it. So Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens was released in 2015. This was the first movie that Disney made after buying the Star Wars um, franchise from George Lucas. It is directed by J.J. Abrams. It is written by Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams. Currently on IMDb, it has an 8.0 out of 10, an 81 Metascore. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 93% tomato meter and an 86% audience score. Um, just, I guess, a little bit of a background info on this one. It happens three decades after episode four. I was say, maybe instead of a synopsis, since literally everybody saw this movie, maybe we give a state of star wars before this movie released because it's been years since we had a star wars movie before this one came out and maybe everybody can talk about their feelings going into this film and everything from like when it got announced that they were making it bringing star wars back with episode seven of all things, instead of like a spinoff. And then after seeing the trailer and what your kind of hopes and expectations were, because it was pretty big deal when it got announced they were doing this. Yeah, I remember when the trailer came out, I was pretty excited. Oh, yeah, so was I. I think I watched this trailer more than I've watched any other trailer before. Probably like watched it every day for a bit there. Just analyzing it and getting myself pumped up. I was so excited. I mean, the day of when we went to see it, I hopped on Facebook. And Facebook asked me, are you excited to go see Star Wars? And then I I posted on there, yes, I'm excited with the little BB-8 droid. And I don't post on Facebook ever. That's how excited I was for this film. I mean, we were talking with each other all the time about this like what are they gonna do this is gonna be great i can't believe they've brought it back they've already finished the story right so what are they gonna do how are they gonna continue this did you think they were ever gonna make another one i did not think they were i thought it was done after six i suspected they would make more films i mean how could anybody not make more films but it had been so long, and the prequels had got so much hate towards them that I was like, they've, they've completed the story they want, he wanted to tell. He already said he didn't want to do more movies, right? And then Disney comes along and's like, we're going to buy this from you for $4 billion. And Lucas is like, all right, I don't want to make more anyways, so I'll just pass the torch on to you guys since nobody likes what I want to do anymore. Now, that was something I did not see coming. Yeah, I remember being excited about that because I'd like the Marvel movie stuff for the most part. So I was like, you know, this is probably in pretty good hands. And they have so much money that they can do whatever they want with this one. 
So I too was excited. I was like, they're keeping Kathleen Kennedy on, who helped a lot with the originals. They got Lawrence Kasdan in here. They've got J.J. Abrams, who made the new Star Trek movies that were basically Star Wars movies. So Yeah, I like J.J. Abrams. He seemed like a good choice to me, too. I was probably more excited for this movie than any other movie I've ever watched. J.J. Abrams originally said he didn't want to do it. But then Disney, I think, backed a dump truck full of money up to his house and said, how about now? And he was like, I will direct Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> yeah. It does take some guts to like follow up Star Wars after yeah all the criticism the prequels got and how the Star Wars fans are, you know. <laughs> they get pretty passionate about stuff. No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. I know, yeah. I was super pumped going into this one. I was ready to get blown away by Star Wars again. And all the pieces were set for it to be amazing. <laughs> but then, what did we get? I remember after... Were you there with us, Fox, when we watched it? Because we had a group of like 15 people. I don't think I was with you guys. We all got seats in the same row, like 15 of us. We all met at the theater, waited in line, and then we're watching it. And I remember when the curtains closed and everything, I look over to my friend Kirk and he's like, well, what'd you think of it? And I was like, I think if I wanted to watch episode four, I could have stayed at home. And I was literally so upset. We went to eat supper afterwards. I was so upset. I couldn't read the menu. I could not order my food. I was so upset after watching this film. And Mike Mike can testify. He was there. Like the person came and asked me what I wanted and I didn't even know what he was saying. I was so mad and so, so betrayed and let down. Wow. Ugh. Something that got me with this is we've been talking about the extended universe of Star Wars every single review we've been doing of it and how cool and you know in-depth the eu is and this movie could have literally gone anywhere it could have done anything it had a huge depth of you know extended universe to draw from but what does it do it copies episode four you know one of the most well-known movies of all time Almost scene for scene. That's not scene for scene. It's like the same setup. A droid runs off with the thing and they're under attack, blah, blah, blah. But it's not yeah. like... The big guy comes out of the smoky hallway. Um, he grabs somebody and then kills them because they won't answer his questions. All that stuff. Desert planet. Um, all that. Getting chased by stormtroopers. This isn't like the Psycho remake where it's literally like a shot for shot. This is, It's very different. No, no. It, it's not shot for shot, but there are some scene by scene things that are almost identical in parts. You can even look it up. J.J. Abrams is even said now. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I copied episode four so much. Yeah, he... He regrets it now. I mean, I, I won't argue that it is very similar. I'll, I'll give you that. It's pretty much the same thing, but less in every way. Hmm, okay. I mean, you've got to have some real balls to think that you can remake, because that's essentially what this is, is a remake of episode four. And especially when it's the seventh freaking movie in a series, that is not what you need to do you need to continue the story in a logical way and not just sacrifice everything to create a remake i think i'm looking on the other side of things you know a lot of people really hated the prequels too and so i think it was a nice like 
Oh yeah, this is what I remember Star Wars being like. And sure, it's the same situations, but it's also maybe it was a smart move to go back to like what we remembered was good about Star Wars. Yeah, it was the safe bet, I think, is what he was going for. That's what everybody says. But I don't think they needed to do that. You can still get the essence of Star Wars and not do a remake of episode four yeah you probably could but like fox it's a safer bet just to like ease into it we know what works if it ain't fixed or ain't broke you know don't try and fix it with midi chlorians yeah but it's the seventh movie in a series if you're gonna make if you're gonna continue the series then don't make your reboot Episode 7, make it its own thing. It's like, we're rebooting Star Wars for the new generation. It's a reboot, but it's still a sequel. It's not like they just cut out Episode 4 and said, this is now Episode 4. The thing that gets me is J.J. got the aesthetic and, you know, the tone of Star Wars down. Because it feels like Star Wars, it looks like Star Wars, you know. So he could have easily done that with a different story. Show us something new. That's what... I was, you know, we were talking about with the prequels, you know, it showed us something new and it was still Star Wars. That's what I was wanting. But then I got, you know, just a remake of episode four, which granted they were doing something that felt familiar, maybe trying to bring in young kids into it, which is probably what they were trying to do, because that's just Disney's model is appeal to as many people as possible. So I realize now I was never going to get the movie I wanted out of episode seven. It was never going to happen with Disney producing it. My problem with that, too, is even um, Terry said it earlier in our series, is kids like their original movies, too. I mean, we all grew up on them, and it's not like they're not readily available. I'm going to compare this to another movie, Jurassic World, right? So Jurassic World is a beat-by-beat the same movie as Jurassic Park. But I love Jurassic World and I love Jurassic Park. Even though Jurassic World is the exact same story beats as Jurassic Park, it does enough different to warrant it being its own thing. Because when you're watching Jurassic Park and the two sequels, you're like, all right, they did the tried to do a theme park and figured out it's not going to work. The one thing nobody expected was, all right, we're going to... Um, actually open the park and show you what would happen with the park open. That's a genius idea. It's it's similar, yeah, but it's different enough that it makes it interesting and you want to watch it. And the problem with The Force Awakens is it's the same thing. It's not different enough. I mean, if they were going to do it in that vein, they should have just done something like reverse the roles, right? Have the First Order be the underdogs and the Republic find out that they've been building Starkiller Base in secret. That would make it enough different and something we hadn't really seen before. I think that would have been a much better way to approach this movie if they had to keep the same story beats as Episode 4. Because you're never going to outdo the original. You know, I will throw out there, this uh, this plot you're wanting is what the uh, new extended lore in that 30-year gap is, essentially. Is the First Order being the underdog and beaten back into the unknown regions of space to lick their wounds for 30 years? So, I'll admit I don't know anything about the new canon or lore just because I've been so off-put with Disney's stuff. 
Yeah, we've been we've been talking about how the expanded universe affects the movies and makes them better for the most part. But this one, it's it's hard to justify it when it's the seventh movie in the series and they're just rehashing a new hope. You know, to me, it's a logical move for Abrams. Yeah, I think it's a smart business decision. It's not what people wanted. He did Star Trek and he got the critics and he got the mass audience, but he lost the fans totally. So here he was like, you know what? I'm going to do something that I know the fans liked and get the mass audience and the critics. So he does something classic and still gets despised for it, which I can, you know, it is a similar movie, but what's he going to do? You know, he can't win no matter what he tries. Yeah. Coming from a hardcore Star Wars fan like you guys, I can see, you know, yeah, it wouldn't make sense. But then you look at how much money it made and like, like a lot of people did like this a lot. It's like, oh, well, maybe they did do something right on that end of things as well. That's the thing. Disney doesn't care about the fans they don't care what we think about star wars they only care that you go spend money on the movie and you buy their toys and you buy the movie and so they were like star wars is the biggest cash cow thing and or it was i don't know if marvel's passed it now i'm pretty sure it has but they were like you know people will do anything buy anything star wars and I mean, it's kind of held up, but it went down definitely with the once Disney took over, you know, the stores are stocked with Star Wars toys that nobody's buying because everybody's buying the Marvel ones now. To me, that shows more of the state of Star Wars than anything else is it's not as powerful as it once was. You know, people are doing Marvel now because Star Wars isn't just as good and, you know, all encompassing. I don't know, like. I don't really, you know, like, I don't see, like, kids on, a, like, a daily basis, but, like, my little cousins at family gatherings, you know, they have some Kylo Ren and Ray gear I've seen them wear. Like, I think one of them is, like, a Kylo Ren backpack. They've got some t-shirts and stuff, you know. Like, it's still present in young people. Don't get me wrong, by any means. Yeah. I mean, I don't keep track of, like, the business numbers. I don't know how much the toys have been selling. I, toys aren't really as big in this day and age either, I don't feel like. I feel like it's more of a collector's thing at this point. Well, and collectors want the old stuff from the original trilogy. They don't want the new Disney stuff because they don't like it. So here's something, too, that I want to add in, is right when Disney bought this, well, not right, maybe a year after, they did the announcement that they were basically moving everything that was established extended universe into Star Wars Legends, so it doesn't even matter anymore essentially some of it still does but they get to pick and choose what does yeah well i was talking to fox the other day and it sounds like that's what the books were doing anyways was well this is level six canon this is level nine canon like, yeah there's this there's the semi-canon that was before there was different degrees of canon because it was an open license yeah so it sounds like they were already picking and choosing well no yes they had the different levels of canon but anything that was extended universe and was canon before disney bought it it was official canon even if it was outside the movies. Well, kind of, because like there was like 10 different stories of what happened before episode four. But that that was a side effect of them, of Lucas and Lucasfilm being like, yeah, do what you want. We want you guys to enjoy Star Wars. And that was them doing that before they actually established the EU. And it's like, all right, this is all going to actually be canon. So they had to come up with a way to kind of get around that. But that that's getting really deep into the semantics. Basically, yeah, they said everything that was official canon at that point 
besides the movies, is no longer official canon. So they could pretty much do whatever they wanted with this. They could go wherever they could pick and choose out of what was previously established canon to put in this. But in this movie, they don't explain Jack Diddley squat about the state of the universe in the last 30 years. Yes, which is a big problem, I think. It is a big problem in this because everybody watches that and you have no idea that the First Order has been beaten back and they're licking their wounds, developing this super weapon. What we know is that the Rebels blew up their stuff, but the Empire is still a huge part of the galaxy at the end of episode six and it's never explained in this movie we don't know about the empire still being a huge part of the galaxy at the end of episode six i don't think yeah they were the uh major force of the whole galaxy like they were the galactic empire the vibe i got from the end of six at least last time i watched it was like everybody's celebrating because the empire has been defeated yeah that is the vibe the, the EU is where you get the remnants of the Empire and Thrawn banding them all together and that kind of stuff. Yeah, see, but Episode 7 doesn't tell you anything about that. It just tries to throw you in to Episode 4-esque situation again, Episode 4-esque characters. And in Episode 4, it worked. It was like, hey, just take it for granted. You don't need to know all this extended stuff. But being the seventh movie in the series, and we've like seen three movies that build up to this, there needs to be something in there that tells you at least what has happened a little bit. I don't know if it does. Episode four does the same thing. It just throws you in. And, you know, the prequels do tell you how this happened, but... People were complaining about that, that it was like so much. And, you know, the crawl at the beginning says, you know, okay, the First Order came from the ashes of the Empire. Okay, got it. They're pretty much the Empire. They might be like a little different, but there's they're the similar evil force and that there's a, like a resistance or whatever that's fighting them. Like they set it up in the crawl enough, I think, to establish what's going on. So there's one logical flaw with the world state. This flaw is directly caused by them trying to copy episode four. So the crawl states that the first order comes out of the remnants of the empire. Okay, we're taking that at face value, even though I don't like it. Let's take it at face value for this argument, all right? And then it also tells us that the Republic is supporting a resistance that is fighting against the first order. Here's the logical flaw. Why does the Republic need to support a resistance? At this point, the Empire's been defeated, and the Republic has reconvened the Senate to rule the galaxy as a Republic like it used to be. Why is there a resistance in the first place? There's no need to have a resistance because the Republic is around. But that is a objectively logic flaw in this film that you can't explain away. It's just from the bad decisions they made copying episode four and trying to get it beat for beat. They have fleshed that out pretty heavily at this point. They have now, but not when they released the seventh movie. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, Star Wars parallels real life and it's very much a parallel of like what's happening over in like what was the Soviet bloc now where these all these governments being supported by countries like Russia, and then the U.S., you know, airdropping supplies to these resistance groups. It's the Cold War because the Republic doesn't want to, like, disrupt economics and trade. 
So they've started supporting this resistance group. You know they didn't think of that, though. It's just a flaw that got through because they're trying to copy episode four. I mean, I don't know when they thought of that. They might have thought of it at the same time they released the movie. They might have thought of it a year later. I'm not sure when they fleshed out that idea, but they have fleshed it out since. See, it it doesn't need to, like, explain T for T what happened here. Just, you know, it needs to have more in there than it does because... Like what what Fox has said about the extended universe now, I would have never got that from watching the movie. I guess what the from the stance of a non hardcore fan, like I don't feel like it's really that important. I need that stuff. This is the argument I've heard is like, how do the people who aren't like diehard fans get any of this extended context for any of the previous six movies? Because in the prequels, you guys were still bringing up a ton of EU stuff that I was like, man, I didn't get any of this from the the movies. It's it's stuff that like I don't think it's that important for this. Like it still tells us story without needing to know all the backlog behind it you know let's look at you know episode three fox was bringing up you know there's the clone war series that takes place between the clone wars movie and episode three so episode two and episode three you don't need to watch that to enjoy episode three it and i guess it kind of comes down to your point as well you don't need to know the extended it's just it I feel like it needed something in there to explain what was going on because what I think happened was Disney bought it. Then they got this group of people in a room and they're like, we need to get something out in two years time frame to make this profitable. They didn't plan out anything, which is obvious looking at episode seven and eight. They didn't plan anything out. They just were like, do it and we'll fix it later. That's the vibe I get from this movie and just the state of where Star Wars is with Disney. I don't think you can release a bunch of books and comic books and video games based on zero planning, especially even within a year or two of that movie coming out. Well, there was some planning, yeah, but I mean, you look at episode seven and eight, which I'll bring it up next week. It's pretty obvious that there was not a plan of where this stuff was going within the context of seven yeah i don't want to go out there and get all starting talking about eight already but within the context of seven i do feel that there was an overarching plan especially with the comic series on ren's backstory i think what irritates me the most is they sacrifice all those opportunities they could have taken to establish the world state and what's going on to retell episode four. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you this. I think that's one of my main criticisms too, is that, oh, look, they are on a desert planet. There's a big Death Star they have to destroy. Like there's an emperor, you know, that kind of stuff is like, it's it's too similar, but I think what makes it different are the characters, which I really enjoy in this movie. Yes, let's talk about the characters because I love the characters in this film. I love that Ray is the main character as well. Really? Whoa, that, that, that took me off guard. Whoa. <laughs> I told you to be prepared. I like Ray a lot. She's a, she's a cool character. I like that they chose to go with a female character for their main lead in this film. It's a great idea because something we haven't seen before in Star Wars is a strong female lead. What? Princess Leia. One. There's one. <laughs> Princess Amidala. Yeah, I wouldn't count that necessarily. I wouldn't call her a strong female lead. Yeah, we have Leia, but Rey's like the focus, right? She's not a side character. She's the Luke of this story. And it's a great idea, I think. And I really like 
all of the new characters for this film. And her performance is really strong, too, I think. She has such an energy to her that I really like. Like, she's funny, and she can do the dramatic stuff when she needs to. I think she's a really good fit for the role. All the actors, you can just tell that they're loving being in a Star Wars film. And it's great to see that, because that's kind of how the originals felt, too. That's something the prequels were missing because Lucas couldn't direct actors very well in that. So it's refreshing to see that they're actually enjoying making the film again. I do not like most of the new characters in this movie. I think probably the only one that I like is Finn. And I don't really like him that much. Poe is like god of starfighting because there's the one um, shot where it's a cool shot, granted, where they're on that, I don't even know what planet it is, with the bar. Takata, I think, or something, maybe. Yeah, he like blows up five TIE fighters in a row and shoots down like 50 people on the ground. That's exaggerating, but I mean, that's pretty much what happens in that scene. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> that's exaggerating, but it's pretty much what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like shoots down... I think what? He shoots like three Stye Fighters and like he knocks uh, the Stormtrooper next to Han out and the guy next to Finn out, like the two people. Yeah. Every, every character in this movie is given God status pretty much besides Finn. And I would say Kylo Ren. Well, Kylo Ren is a whiny teenager, okay? That's, that's how he comes across in this movie. And I get why. I don't like it if I have to accept it. But I mean, Ray can use the force and do a mind trick on somebody without even having any training. That is something that drives me crazy. And that's probably my personal biggest flaw with the movie is Ray's ability to just do whatever she wants whenever she wants. What made me mad is also this, she gets, uh, I don't even know how I want to say this exactly. She gets, I don't know. There's a scene, okay, where after Han Solo has died and they come back, to the planet where the resistance are. Leia looks at Rey, immediately goes up and hugs her instead of freaking Chewbacca. Okay, this girl, she doesn't even know. And she goes up and hugs her for a, a some kind of plot device or some character development. And it's... Well, I think I have an explanation for that. But Okay, I think what Rey was doing was going up to her to tell her what happened on the star. And Leia already knew because she sensed it. And... She was like, you don't have to say anything. And then they hugged it out because they were both sad. But seriously, she just ditched Chewbacca. Chewbacca ditched her, to be fair. Chewbacca just walked right on past. He did. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a story convenience, okay? I don't like Ray's character because she's god at everything she does. I don't like Poe because he's god at everything he does. He's fun. Finn actually somewhat has a character arc in this movie, and he gets beat. And he feels relatable because of it. You know, he's scared and you can sense it in him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He does have the strongest character arc for sure. He's my favorite one in this movie because he actually has, you know, some like character to him. Everybody else is just a, uh, you know, plot convenience who's actually kind of fun, maybe. Well, Poe, he to be fair, he's only in it for like 15 minutes, it feels like. He's not really a main character. And he's supposed to be like Wedge Antilles from the originals, right? Wedge is, is the best pilot, pretty much, in the Rebel Alliance. So Poe's a rehash of him, but with more character 
<laughs> right? Because we don't see Wedge much. I got that they were trying to come back with the original three with Leia, Luke, and Han with these three characters. I would say that like with Ray and Finn, they're the main two. And Poe doesn't, like, he's not around enough to be considered one of the main three. Yeah, I, I did used to think that they were supposed to be a rehash, but watching this one again, Ray and Poe never meet in this movie. Yeah, they don't meet until the next one. And what I'm doing... Because we've all seen episode eight, so we know what happens with these characters in that one. I'm going back to when I first saw when I'm judging the characters. I'm going back to when I first saw episode seven and leaving what happens to them in eight out of my opinion for this one. What this one does is it sets up all these characters really well. All right, we've got Rey, who's so strong with the Force that she's starting to use her abilities and experiment to figure out what she can do. And it makes sense because she's heard about the Jedi and what they could do. I mean, there's the whole thing where she and Finn are talking to Han, and Han just confirms everything. She knew who Luke Skywalker was, so... To me, it makes sense that she's using the Force powers, and it's like, holy crap, she's super, super strong like Anakin was, right? She's already using the Force, but she actually has context and knows a little more about it than what Anakin did when he was using the Force to drive pods on Episode One, right? So that makes sense to me. I will concede to the point with her that she shouldn't be a god at flying the Millennium Falcon and repairing the Millennium Falcon and all that. She's a, she's a junk scavenger, but she's never actually flown real ships before, so she shouldn't know how to do that, and she shouldn't be able to fix the Falcon better than Hawk. She does have a line about doing simulators, which is also Luke's intro to flying ships. Well, no, Luke flew ships on Tatooine. He had the sk- sand skiffs. Well, that was like a little speeder. She has a similar thing that she built herself. Yeah, she has a speeder, too. And she does say she's flown only on planet. She's never flown off planet before. I will concede that point because I think they got too carried away with her in that regard, right? But it's nothing they they can't fix later. And I took that as some of it like, you know, maybe she's using the force herself a little bit, you know, like not knowingly, kind of like how Anakin can drive the the speed pods and not die. Yeah, so I... I like Ray. She's a great new character. They went a little overboard with her, I'll admit, but I really like her. A little? Well, well, most of her stuff is using the Force and then flying the Falcon, right? And that's about... Well, Beating a trained Sith. The lightsaber fight with Kylo, she shouldn't have won that either, I guess. The essence of the character is good, all right? And that's, that's the main thing with these is they had to come in strong with the characters right and they did for the most part jj left it open for more character development to further these characters along i tell you who i really like is old general hux he's really grown on me and the more i've like read about him the more like i like him because this guy is like you know he's like the crappy version of Moff Tarkin. <laughs> like, he's just this sadistic little bastard. And I like his relationship with Kylo Ren because it's not like Kylo Ren's his lapdog. It's more like they're rivals and they're kind of working against each other and like making snide comments. He stands up 
the Kylo. He's not scared of Kylo, yeah. Yeah, he ain't scared of him at all, even though he's got a super cool lightsaber and is using the force to kill people and stop laser bullets and stuff. Yeah. Well, he knows that he has to like stay ahead of Kylo or else Snoke might throw him off to the side somewhere. He knows so far he's probably been more competent and more trustful of... You know, he's like actually like working with the First Order, whereas it feels like Kylo Ren's kind of like the boss's son kind of thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so that's true. He's more competent, but, you know, Kylo Ren's just, he's a little more closely related to the boss, so he's got, he gets to stick around too. But I like the guy who plays him. He's so good at being a weasel. <laughs> yeah, he's a great actor. I like that guy. It's interesting. It's different than the dynamic we got with Vader and his generals, which is good. I like it. I don't like Kylo much, but I do like this relationship. Let's talk about him. <laughs> I'm going to just say it right now. I think Kylo, besides Darth Vader, is my favorite Star Wars villain. He's awesome. Explain. Yeah, let's hear it. I think what I like about him is that he's like a tryhard of the dark side. <laughs> you know, he wants to be so bad and he wants to be just like Darth Vader, but he's not. And he's trying to fight this within him the whole time. But he he's so scared of being pulled to the light side, which is such something we hadn't ever like seen in Star Wars yet. A dark sided person being like, oh God, I've still got good in me. What if I turn back to the light? You know, I find that conflict really interesting. And I think it's cool that he's Han and Leia's son. I think that adds an interesting dynamic to the story. And and that's something they took from the EU for this. And it's a good idea. Yeah, I'm glad they used it. So I just think he's cool. And I like how, yeah, he, you know, he's doing all these tantrums and stuff because he's like, I've got to be angry. I've got to be mad. And, you know, so he's like flailing his stuff around and going nuts. But, you know, you never get the vibe that he's totally, you know, bad. Maybe there's a couple points where I'm like, oh, OK, you know, I could probably take this guy pretty seriously. But I, I don't know. I think he's an interesting villain. I can I can see where he's coming from, which is Really cool. It is interesting, Terry. And I like when he's on the bridge with Han and you can actually see him having that inner turmoil about what's he going to do? Is he going to go back with Han? Because, I mean, you can still you can see that he still cares about him, even though he talks crap on him all the time. Yeah, that that scene like gets me pretty good every time. It's like, man, it's good. He does a good job with it. And it is interesting because we're seeing an untrained apprentice here. Oh, now hang on a minute. There's an interesting point that I've come to realize here. He's not a Sith, nor is Snoke, nor is it ever stated in the movie that they're Sith. Yeah, that's true. They're just force warriors. That's all they are, with their own moral compass, outside of the bounds of Sith and Jedi, which is something I didn't even realize until I started reading up on things, which it's never stated. It's it's kind of like the original movies where like, you know, there's the Jedi and then there's like Darth Vader, who's an evil Jedi. Like, it's just like the guy on the opposite side of the coin. There's the good Jedi and the bad Jedi. Right. And here, Ren is like, you know, Ren sees the Jedi as weak because they use the light to accomplish their means. And he's like, I still want to do good want to make the world a better place, but I just think we need to be a little more forceful in how we go about it. He's not necessarily in it for money and power and the usual Sith goals. Well, we don't know why he wants to be bad, which is my biggest issue in this one. Hopefully they'll tell us later, but we'll see. If only they would do so. Yeah, if only they would give us more information, right? I, I am curious, but it's not important either. We don't, I mean, it's something I want to know, but I don't need to know, that kind of thing. It's something they can explain later. 
it's interesting because him him and Ray are such good parallels because you've got Ray who's going to be a Jedi and then you've got Kylo who's going to be well we're just going to say a Sith because it's going to make it easier for explanation purposes so you've got them at a point where the next movie can come along and showcase how they're going to each be trained in their different ways to develop their abilities Ray getting trained to be a Jedi and Kylo being trained to be a Sith after he accomplishes his task of killing Han Solo, his father, in this one. My issue, though, is actually with him throwing his temper tantrums. I think it really it cheapens his character when it didn't need to. I get how he, he feels he needs to be imposing, but that's why he wears the mask. He's already showcased that he he can kill people without a moment's thought when he kills the guy at the beginning of the film, right? So people know that he's bad news and that he'll just kill you if he wants to. The temper tantrums just make him feel like a little kid who's acting out. He's basically what Anakin should have been. They're paralleling him to Anakin in the prequels. That's something they didn't need the parallel, was the temper tantrum throwing. I liked it, and I thought it was intimidating, too. You know, like, he does have this giant flaming sword that he's just, like, tearing through stuff. I, it's intimidating, but it's also, like, you, I, I can get, you know, why he's doing it as well. It's like, he's got to—he feels like he has to act tough. It works. All the his soldiers are like, oh, oh, God. I do think the man-child angle is interesting. It was not where I would have taken it. But it is interesting and different. Yeah, my whole thing with Kylo is he's so cringy, and I just don't like that. If he would have been younger, you know, and having these tantrums and stuff, maybe I would have liked him better. But he just comes off as this whiny high school teenager. But you're watching like this 30 year old man do this stuff. I think he's supposed to be in his mid 20s in this film, which I think Ray is also in her mid 20s. That's the thing, right? With all the new characters is the the new characters they set them up good but each one of them they do something that just subtracts from the character finn i would argue is the the most well-rounded but even him they give a bunch of i wouldn't say quite cringy jokes just to make the audience laugh but it's he gets dialogue he didn't need to have that's just there to be a joke really i like his jokes i thought he was pretty funny some of them are okay like they make me laugh like i think the best one was when (laughs) han and chewie are going to uh, save ray and he's like we'll just use the force and then han's like that's not how the force works (laughs) that gets me every time i love that I like how he keeps calling him Solo, too. He's like, hey, Solo. And he's like, did you just call me Solo? And like the rest of the movie, he just keeps doing it. It's so funny. He's trying to act tough, but he's so scared and wants to run away. Finn is probably my favorite in this movie just because he actually feels so legit compared to everyone else, like a legit character out of the new ones. But, you know, it's it's nice. I like that they have Han and Chewie in this one, too. Harrison Ford 
he's just here for a paycheck, you know? I think he does a really good job. I don't think he's just here for a paycheck. I think he acts pretty well. He is. The reason he died, I think, is because he didn't want to do another one. And because he's, like, super old, too, you know? He's probably just done. Well, yeah, but he went on to do Blade Runner after this, and he actually, like, ran in Blade Runner. He ran in this, too. I Kind of. He had a slight jog. Man, in Blade Runner, he barely runs, too, so I don't want to hear it. It does look pretty rough when he runs in Blade <laughs> Runner. <laughs> I wouldn't say it looks good by any means. <laughs> but I got more of a bromance with you know, Han and Chewie in this movie, I think, than I got in Solo, which was good. I like their interactions in this one, yeah. Him and Chewie are awesome. That is my favorite part of this movie, is, you know, the Han and Chewie aspect, because, you know, it it feels familiar. They bring in the Star Wars feel, I think, that's missing for me with the rest of this stuff, and... I, I love that. That's my favorite part of this movie is I got to see them, you know, interact again. Yeah, Chewie is great in this movie. He's hilarious. He does have a lot of good scenes. That's my favorite part of this movie is I got to experience, you know, one more dynamic between the two originals, you know. Yeah, and that's really good, too. It is, yeah. And it's it's nice. The only thing which this is an EU complaint is they sacrificed the bowcaster for a joke, right? So the reason Chewie has his bowcaster and the reason he's the only one who has it and uses it is because the bowcaster packs quite a big punch. Wookiees are much stronger than human beings. If a human being was going to shoot the bowcaster, it would blow your arm off or break it because that's how strong it is. And it's showcased that it's that strong in this film. Yet Han Solo takes it all the time and starts shooting people with it for a joke. I did like that joke, though. They do break that trope in a lot of the video games. Yeah, that's a video game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it ties back into them like disrespecting the EU and stuff just to make jokes and which which isn't it's not going to annoy like people who aren't super fans. But for people like me, when I was watching that as just another thing added on top, right, of the layer of disappointments. Like, all right, they can the EU so they could make bowcaster jokes between Han and Chewie. I do have another complaint, and this one revolves around Han. Not Harrison Ford playing Han, but what they did to Han Solo's character in this one. They made him, like, run away from his family. His Yes. Ugh. It just doesn't feel right, because you look at episode five, Han risked his life to go out in the Hoth in the middle of night when he was going to freeze to save Luke. That's just one, you know, dynamic of his character. Han wouldn't have done what they did in this movie. I don't, I don't believe that, you know? Who knows, you know, it's been 30 years. I'm sure he tried at some point, too. Like, this is like a later thing. Yeah, and see, it just doesn't, you know, explain it well. So it's like the Han that I was left with at the end of Episode 6, similar to the one that they have in Episode 7, but, like, different. And I don't like the way that they cheapen his character in this one, it seems like. I agree with you, Mike. That's my one problem as well with Han and this is they went through all of that. Granted, raising a kid who turns to the dark side is a super traumatic event. Yeah, we can talk about Luke in episode eight all we want, but I think this would have been more traumatic experience for Han and Leia than what happens with Luke in episode eight. So I get what they're doing, but I I agree with you ultimately, Mike. It's a bad dynamic. 
Because you look at Han in episode four, he comes back to help his friends. You look at Han in episode five, he goes and risks his life to save Luke. You look at Han in episode six and he's like, I'm going to risk my whole life to go down and blow up this um, shield generator on Endor, you know, for the greater good of everybody. And it cheapens his character, you know, to make, oh, Han is just some guy who ran away from his family when things got tough. No, Han wouldn't have done that. I don't know about that. We don't know what happened. That's the thing. Like, you know, in the comics, they do this a lot, too, where it's like this far future where like, oh, suddenly this character doesn't fight anymore. or He's, you know, he's given up or he's gone back to his old ways. And then they, you know, they explain it. Who knows? There may be more movies in the future where they're like, hey, this is what happened between the family or like our books or something. I don't know. I, I never didn't bother me. And what I took his, his encounter with Kylo at the end here is like, okay, you know, I'm going to give it another shot. Like, he's coming back again. He's going to try and help one more time. Like, it felt very like, okay, this is my last shot. I got to get my son back. And then That was a good Han moment, but it, it's weird, right? Because the character's there, and that is a good Han moment. That's something he would do. But him just leaving for who knows how long, I get the impression quite a long time after the thing goes down, is not a Han moment. And I mean, I ragged on Solo so much because they betray Han's character. They do it here, but to a lesser extent. And yeah, it all goes back to they don't explain anything because they're rehashing episode four. And that's the biggest issue. Who's to say that Leia didn't leave? Like, we don't know what happened. I mean, it didn't explain. She would be the one to leave more than Han out of the two. Yeah, we don't know what happened between them. Like, because they're just separated in this one. Like, we don't know who left who. Like, they're both just doing their own thing now. They're separated. Well, I don't think they're officially separated. I don't think they're divorced, but I think, you know, they're not, they're, they're like not with each other anymore. Like, you know, they're not hanging out with each other. Which makes it makes it weird. <laughs> yeah, it just comes back to one of my problems that I'm going to have, and I'm, I'm going to bring it up more next week too, is that they disrespect the original characters so much in these new ones, I feel like. Like what you said, Terry, we don't know what happened in there, but it goes back to they don't explain. These characters don't get enough um, screen time to explain because they're introducing the new ones. So it's just a big jumbled thing that a lot of problems add up into what my big problems are with this. I think it adds a nice dynamic too, though. It's like, you know, these characters haven't seen each other for a long time. They haven't been together for a long time. You know, neither has the audience, so it kind of adds an extra little punch there when they finally do reunite a little bit, I think, too. I feel like it could have been a lot more touching scene, too, if they weren't separated. You know, why do they need to be separated for this plot? I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it made a good dynamic. Things are, have changed since 30 years ago. I see where you're coming from, though. All right. Well, this has been pretty heated, guys, but <laughs> we're just going to go into overall presentation. So <laughs> we knew it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I apologize if I've offended anybody. I just get very passionate about Star Wars. We've been pretty civil this whole time. There's a there's a clean cut between arguing civilly and then calling each other morons and stuff. So I get heated on this sometimes. I'm passionate. No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Um, so we have a, a scale that we use. We go from burn it, pass, watch it, to buy it. We give a spiel, and then we attempt to average it out at the end to the best of our abilities. So, voila, behold. Behold and weep at the majesty of our scale. Yes, our magnificent and powerful scale. Yeah, I'll just say, before 
I get into anything I'm going to say for all overall presentation. My parents offered to buy me this movie for free for Christmas, and I told them no. So like, like we've said, I feel really cheaped out by this movie. I always have. I feel like they copied a lot. I feel like they cheapened some of the original characters that I wanted. And I don't know. I just was really bored this time watching it more than anything else. Like I didn't get mad. There was a time when I invited Terry over the day before episode eight <laughs> came out. I was like, hey, Terry, come over. Let's watch episode seven. And I won't <laughs> hate on it the whole time. I proceeded to do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Terry was not pleased. But uh, I was just more bored than anything this time around. I think we've hit on everything that you know, I kind of feel like with this movie. So I'm I'm going to say burn this movie because I wish, I truly wish it did not exist because it's just caused me more, you know, like pain than anything else, I guess. Just thinking about it. The only redeeming thing I get out of this movie is I get my Han and Chewie bromance one last time. And that that's really cool. And that's the only thing that I really like out of this movie. Burn it. You know, you know, I mean, if I was doing this overall presentation four years ago, I definitely would have said burn it. But doing this almost preposterous series we've been doing has kind of given me a new perspective. And uh, talking with TV, talking with my girlfriend, who's also a casual fan, you know, I, I do feel like I've been changed a little bit. I, I have seen some merit to this one. I don't think it's ever going to be what I wanted, nor will it ever truly in my heart take the place of the EU content. But I have enjoyed having Star Wars back in my life and boning up on the new canon. <sighs> oh, that hurts to say. It does look good. It has a great aesthetic. It looks like Star Wars. It looks like Star Wars with a insane budget. It sounds good. It does have that, at least. The new actors are good. Their characters aren't my favorites, but the actors didn't write the parts and do fine with what they have. I I'm going to give it a watch it. You know, I had fun this time. It's a fun watch. I would say you don't necessarily have to own it to get the Star Wars experience you could get from the first six. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a watch it. it it's an okay sci-fi ride. I agree with a lot of what uh, Dan, Mike, and Fox are saying about this is very much treading the same ground as episode four and i think that's my main complaint with it is that yeah there's another death star it's a sand planet the droid gets some sort of secret information and has to go deliver it to somebody it's a lot of the same beats but i think what really makes it stand out are these new characters i really like all the characters in this movie um i think the villain kylo ren i can get why people wouldn't like him but i think He's very interesting, and he he gets a lot of room to develop later on, too. We'll see how that goes next week. But um, I think this movie leaves everything off in, like, a really interesting direction. It feels like Star Wars, but, like, in the modern day, if they had made it in the modern day. And overall, I really enjoy it. I'm going to give it a buy it. I really like it. I think they... This movie, at least, sets everything up in an interesting direction, and I think it's worth buying, especially if you're just a casual Star Wars fan. So... I agree mostly with Mike's opinions on this one. Um, I already stated at the front of this review how excited I was going into this and then how utterly devastated and betrayed I was upon finishing watching it in the theater. Regardless of how disappointed I was with this one, they do do a great job of setting up the new characters. I really like 
all of them. Kylo grew on me. I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me because I really like what they did with his character in this one. Ultimately, it and looks great as always. Star Wars always looks good. They have some awesome cockpit shots with the X-Wings in this one on the final battle. I just wish they would have used more capital ships and used all the other letters of the alphabet for their ships instead of just focusing on the X-Wings because they were mimicking episode four again. I've already said all that. The music is good as always. John Williams is back, but the best piece of music is what they used in the trailer for this film. Go listen to just the trailer music. I didn't think they could make the Force theme any more epic, but then they added a choir to it, and I was proven wrong. It's weird because my favorite piece of music from this was not in the movie, which they should have put Luke in there when he grabbed the lightsaber and had it go into that awesome choir part from the Force theme, but I digress again. Um, That's not what we got. It's interesting rating this one because I ultimately forgave this movie after many years thinking about it. I ultimately forgave it because I got what they were trying to do. I still wish 100% they would have done something different, but I forgave it because JJ set it up to take it in a cool new direction, have the characters all have interesting character beats and stuff. I mean, I even bought the movie to watch it again and then ultimately ended up giving it to Terry after (laughs) what we got and we'll talk about next week. So um, the ultimate disrespect. (laughs) This one is probably the hardest one I'm going to have for a rating, but I think I'm going to give it a pass. Um, I'm not going to burn this one just because I did forgive it before I saw episode eight. This is not in the context of episode eight. I'm doing it how I felt ultimately about episode seven. I still think it does a good job setting up the new characters. Even though it's a rehash episode four, they do a good job with the characters, which is nice. That's why I'm not giving it a burn it. Just pass it to Terry. He'll take it. Yeah, Terry Terry will take it. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to see it in my collection of Star Wars movies anymore when I go over there. So they had the chance to make it worth it, but we'll get into it. I don't want to watch that movie again. Whose idea was this? Yeah, I can't say I'm particularly excited about this. I know. I really don't want to watch it again either. I'm curious to watch it again, I think, because I was very mixed on it last time. So I want to see if I still land the same place I did. I'm pretty sure I'm the land where I think I'm the land next week. I'm impressed we made it all the way here. You know, we've gone through quite a journey and we're almost done now. You know, and this was a long one, but I think we really did pretty good today, boys. I think everyone deserves a pat on the back. I don't. What did that round out to? Who gave it what? We all gave it something different. Every single one of us gave it something different. It's very divisive, this one is. Well, the most divisive one's coming. What did you think of episode seven? Tell us in our poll that will be launched along with this episode. You can hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us even at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. We need to know. The new Star Wars movies, were they off to a good start? Thanks for listening to us so much tonight, everybody. We get a little passionate about this one, but tune in next week because that should be a, a fun review for everyone involved. 
<laughs> so thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. Get in contact with us for sure. This is Run The Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.